not everybody's your client and be cool with that. Hey, hey, Skid Steer Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Deemer, and our guest today is Mike Gregg. Mike has been in the excavation industry for over 15 years, but he's not an owner. In fact, he owns a marketing company and he exclusively works with excavation and lawn care services. I thought today's show would be a great way to talk more specifically about marketing instead of a business owner's journey, give you guys some information, some insights of what to look for when you're looking to hire a marketing company, what to look for, what to do when you're trying to do some marketing on your own, and just how important some of those jargon words that you hear in the marketing world actually are for your business. Before we get started with Mike, though, I do want to take just a quick second and um, just say thank you to the few guys that have uh, actually reached out to me and sent me messages direct. They've been listening to the podcast, <clears throat> taken some of the advice or the, the tips they've heard from myself or our guests and tried to actually implement them into their business. Jason Loomer, if you're listening, man, he heard about how we were doing the, the story outline for your posting, problem, solution, result. And he just wanted to call and say thanks for that. He did that. And he had two or three um, estimates that came through for that. So I appreciate you guys sharing that feedback. It makes me happy, tells us that we're doing the right thing. Don't forget to subscribe and like to the podcast and also share it on your social media feeds with your family, friends, and people in your area. Now that I'm done rambling, let's get started. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So your company is called Rankmaster, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you're you're up in British, you're on Vancouver Island up in Canada. Yeah. Vancouver Island up in Canada. Um, I guess I, I don't know how many Canadian listeners you have, but uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're Canadian. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty low. Like we are 26 to 36 men in the USA is 90% of our audience, according to our analytics on the back end. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, I'm I'm pretty low in Canada. Victoria is actually below the 49th parallel. So if the border was straight, I would be in the States. We're real close to uh, to Seattle. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, I'm excited to, to talk to you about this. I mean, we, we met through a Facebook group that I joined that had some excavation owners in there. I just wanted to kind of offer some advice and stuff. Um, saw that you had posted a lot about marketing. We decided to like, <laughs> connect and do a Zoom call and just us meeting and talking to each other. I was like, this is perfect to do a podcast episode on. And while we're on that topic, you also have your own podcast. Yeah, that's right. We just started the podcast uh, last week. It's called Breaking Ground. Uh, had a little bit of uh, technical challenges with getting it up, but it's available now on Apple and Google and Spotify. Uh, so you can uh, you can look us up there. There's a couple podcasts with that name, but ours is a uh, black tile with a yellow cartoon bulldozer on it. Pretty yeah. easy to pick out. I noticed, I noticed that, and I think it was Spotify, that it also has your name, mm -hmm. Mike Gregg, below the image. So if you go that's look right. for it and you see multiple breaking grounds, just make sure you see Mike Gregg and that's the right one. Yeah, that's right. So excellent, man. So 15 years in excavation. How'd you get started? What were you doing? Uh, I started at a lumber yard, actually. Um, just sorting lumber and building roofing orders. And I was watching the guys coming and going in the crane trucks doing deliveries. And I thought they're having a better time than me. 
So I went and got my commercial license and started driving. And that led me to an opportunity with a local excavation company. And I worked there for eight years doing a combination of driving, operating. I did a lot of low bed work. Um, I got out of that business, um, got into a primarily transport company that also did uh, light excavation work. So did some uh, did some low bedding, a bit of long haul, did some work, uh, backhoe, snow clearing, digging, digging holes for fences and hedges, that type of thing. And in between, I've done a little bit of, uh, I guess, freelance isn't the, the right word for, for digging, but uh, side jobs for friends. I'll rent a machine and do a job here and there just to help buddies out. It's never something that uh, that I've been serious about getting into as a, as a full-time business. But yeah, that, uh, that went on for another eight years with that company. And somewhere along the way, I started playing around with online marketing. I built and sold a personal finance blog and started helping out my friends with their businesses. And one thing led to another and I got a couple of clients under my belt and thought, uh, you know, there's something to this. There's a lot of people out there who need this type of help. Um, guys who they're great operators. Uh, they're great in the machine. They understand the work really intimately, but the business side of it and the marketing side of it uh, sometimes eludes them. So that's, that's what I'm here for. <clears throat> I love it, man. And I can't agree more with you. The marketing aspect as an excavation company owner from the people we talk to is typically very difficult. You know, they're not versed in building websites. They're not versed in generating automations and lead forms or creating images online. And the hardest part actually is that most marketing companies have no clue about excavation companies. And that's where the biggest yeah. disconnect is that I've found where the owner of the excavation company and then the marketing company start talking. And next thing you know, you're training the marketing company and what you do, what the machine does. They want to play with it. And you're like, when are we actually going to get to work on growing my business? Yeah. And the frustration kicks in. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I feel like no matter what industry you're in, it's a good idea to find either a company that specializes in your type of work a marketing agent, whether you're plumbing or excavating, landscaping, whatever it is, find a company that understands your industry because that takes so much of the upfront work out of it. Or find a local business, someone that you trust with a smaller agency that's in your town that you can actually meet with. They can come out to your job site and it, it's easier to learn that way than it is when you're working with someone on the internet. No, I, and I agree with that too. So I'm curious, I want to kind of backtrack just a smidge here. What piqued your interest that made you start digging deeper into internet marketing? Like at what point, like how old were you? What were you doing? And like, what was the aha moment? I was about 27. I was newly married. I had a child on the way and I was looking for ways to make some extra money. I was listening to a podcast called, uh, I believe it's called a Smart Passive Income Podcast which is one of the bigger business podcasts, or at least it was at that time. And they go through a lot of topics with regards to ways to make money. You know, at that time, affiliate marketing was the really big thing and, uh, and niche websites. So I just started toying around with it. I built uh, a bunch of different websites and got a little bit of money trickling in from Google AdSense and from affiliates. And it just really hooked me. I really liked doing it. And I've, I've had this kind of disconnect ever since where I love being out in the machine. I love running the controls. I love digging holes. I love the practical work, but I also really like the the business side. I, I like being on a computer. I like you know making the little tweaks and changes that can 
they can get you ranking differently. Um, but yeah, it's that, that was where it started. And over time it led to different things. I, uh, I built an electric car a few years ago. So I started an electric car blog and had an affiliate product that I was selling through that made a bit of money there. And I'm really into personal finance. So I started a personal finance site and I grew that for about three years. And then I sold that. And uh, I came back to where I started, which is excavation. I met a local contractor who needed a hand, a really, really smart guy, uh, about our age, started his business in 08, didn't understand the online side of it. Uh, He needed a website. He needed his Google business profile optimized. And I said, hey, I can help you out with that. And I've been working with him for uh, about a year and a half now. So yeah, I I just, I I love the industry and uh, the digital side of it just turned out to be a really good fit for me. Nice, nice. So if you meet a new client, let's say you meet somebody who's starting a business. What's the checklist that you go over with them? It's like, hey, this is going to be a six or 12 month process. We're going to start with phase one. What is phase one? What are the steps that you start with when you're looking at a new excavation company? Right. So I would say that generally I I wouldn't work with a brand new excavation company. Um, If you did, let's just say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. so I would start with getting your Google business profile set up so people can find you online. That's not a very complicated thing to do, um, but Google likes you using their services. So I think people go on and they throw their business name up and then they just kind of leave it. But what Google wants to see is you on their things. They like to see you using Google services. So uh, a really well fleshed out description for your business. Um, your business name, all of the elements filled out and add content regularly. You can add images, uh, you can add posts to your Google business profile. And those things all kind of give you a bit of a boost. Uh, With Google business, there's three things that matter, proximity, relevance, and prominence. And the only one you really can't control is proximity, right? Your business is where it is. So if you're in Detroit and someone's searching for an excavating company in Minneapolis, you're not going to show up. Um, But prominence and relevance are two things that you can control and you can do a lot to uh, get your business boosted in those regards. After that, get a website up and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Um, The way that I think I'm different from some marketing agencies is I don't think you need to spend money on this. And when I say I don't work with new businesses, I mean that I want to see businesses generating revenue before they're giving any of it to me. I've, I've coached a few people through just just for free, just just to help out because I, I don't feel like you need to be spending that money up front. You know, Wix website, it's in Squarespace and Weebly, and there's all these tools that let you put something together for free. Maybe your wife can help you, maybe your kid can help you. But you know, get something viable out there and then start generating some income. You can do that in a day. Get a website up with um, you know, put some content on your homepage with regards to what you do, who you are, your story. Um, And then pages for every area that you work in and pages for every service that you do, you know, make them look nice. And that's a great start. That puts you ahead of even some of the established businesses. In my town, the old boys don't rank in Google because they, they just don't need to. They don't care to. So there's a huge opportunity there for people who want to invest the time and learn. And you can learn. Again, I, I, you do not need to hire a marketing agency. And this is what really kind of annoys me about this industry is, you know, they come in and they tell guys, you have to do this and you got to spend $1,000 a month and, and you don't. There's, there's nothing that I can do for you that you can't learn to do yourself. And I agree with all of that. But I will say you need to have 
a balance of what your time's worth and where you're better spent? Like what's the learning curve to learn how to build a website versus how many hours could you've worked in the field generating revenue? Yeah. So I have, I, I have a break point. If certain things cost less than a, do- a certain dollar amount, I won't do it. Yeah. So like, I don't mow my yard because that's an hour and a half, two hours that I could have been doing something generating more money than mowing my yard. hundred percent. Yeah. And what I would say to that again, is just as a new business, generally you're going to have that time. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that, that time to money arrangement sort of flips in favor of, of money as you start working and, and getting some things going on. And I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't work with a brand new business, but I, I just, you know, I, I put those posts up on the Facebook group because I want people to have access to that info for free. Right. And I just kind of want to go over the checklist of like, hey, if we're starting a new business, like where do we begin? All right, we start with Google My Business. We flesh that out. We make sure the description's right. I found that the frequently asked question section really drives you up. Yeah. Most businesses yeah. don't do it. Nope. Nope. There's You need to go through item by item and every field should be filled out. Every yeah. single thing. Add some information. You don't have any frequently asked questions because you just started. Well, what are frequently asked questions in excavation? Hey, yeah. are you going to destroy my driveway? No, we're not going to destroy your driveway. How yeah. long does it take to complete a project? You know, you can... Do you guarantee you your Google Exactly. You want to give Google as much information as you possibly can. Because if you have another guy with a complete filled out profile with a... I think your business description, you have 7,000 or 7,500 characters you can use use all of them. We're LA's premier excavation company. You know, we do this, 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 yeah. and this, and these areas. And, you know, there's no reason not to fill all of that out. Yeah. So we, we get to Google my business. You recommend a website next. I think most guys probably go straight to Facebook and create a business Facebook account for their business and start posting on that. So we've got Google my business website. <laughs> okay, we'll call it a Facebook business page. What other areas of the business should they be looking at to increase their exposure in their area? I always say you want to go where people are. Um, so the reason I say get a website up first is because it takes some time to rank, especially in a bigger area. So even if you're not going to invest a lot of energy in the website, get something up, get it there so that your domain name starts aging and you get a little bit of authority. But where I've seen people having a ton of success is Instagram and YouTube. When you look for a local contractor on YouTube in an area, there's almost nothing. Like I live in an area of about 500,000 people and there's nothing on YouTube. And Google likes to show those things. You know, that's an area where maybe the only reason they're not showing a video in their search results for excavation in your town is because there just isn't one. So I like to put something up everywhere. Start an Instagram account. Connect with local businesses on Instagram. Get your name out there. You know, you can go and follow the rental companies and the big excavation companies and the companies who sort of service the same types of people that you service and then put out good content. I would invest your energy in learning how to use an app to edit photos and taking good pictures of what you do and, you know, connecting with people who might be asked about a smaller business. You know, who who do you recommend? You know, I just saw this new company out there. We'll try these guys out get your name out there that way. I think Instagram is probably the, the best thing going right now, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and everything we just talked, everything you just talked about, you literally can do it from your phone. Mm-hmm. Like there, the, the days of having to go home and spend an extra mm-hmm. two hours after you work to create the content, make the images and buy some software to do, those are gone. Like you could be editing videos and photos while you're eating your lunch and posting 100%. it at the end of the day. 
so, I mean, it's really just comes into that whole uncomfort zone of not knowing how to do something and we, we push away from it. But if you're really serious about it, like you need to lean into it, figure some stuff out, make it as accessible and easy on your phone and will it be perfect. No, but we'd be better than 90% of the people in your area. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean the, the, if you type in to YouTube excavation in Victoria, which is the city that I live in, uh, the only video that shows up is some dude on a skid steer 11 years ago with horrible audio. And it's hard to even tell what he's doing. And like that, that's an opportunity right there. You know, you can be that guy and it takes very little to do better than that. You know, half decent audio. I mean, a, a phone of any variety will do a better job of capturing a video than that. Right. And I think that people, it is scary to put yourself out there. We've, we've all been through that. You know, you've started a business, you get it. I'm, I'm still kind of working through the first couple of years in my business. And when you put yourself out on YouTube and you put yourself out on podcasts, it's, it's a little nerve wracking at first, but that's how you learn. You know, you, you have to do it. You have to connect with people and say, I'm, uh, I'm here. And I see questions all the time on these Facebook groups where guys are asking, where do I get jobs? I just started, where do I get work? And there's so many free ways to do it. Start an Instagram account, spend an hour connecting with people who are similar to you and fire them a message, you know, fire a message to the local rental company because they got guys coming in looking for excavators and maybe that's not the right thing for them. Maybe they should be hiring a local contractor. You want them to know who you are. Local Facebook groups, every community has their own Facebook group and they love supporting small businesses. Jump on there and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so. This is what I do. I'd love to hear from you. You know, just start spreading the seeds out there and, and things will start to happen. And then you got to make sure you continue to water them. Keep watering those 100%. seeds. Like if you go to that group and you do that initial post, then you have to go back in a week or two <clears> and put another post up. And then, and I actually just took screenshots of a, of a guy that was talking about a local group uh, literally two days ago. And he's not selling services. Like he's showing the trailer with the sunset and the coffee saying, what a great day to be going alive and making our community better. And people are engaging with that. And then he did one about snowfall and Mary, the old lady couldn't get out of her driveway and needed to get milk. And he's like, I only had two questions. What's your address and what, what kind of milk do you want? And he's mm -hmm. like, and these are the posts that he's putting in there and he's generating interest because people like the content that he's putting in there. 100%. I think that it's it's natural to want to go out and do look at me marketing, you know, jump in front of people and go look at me, I'm here, look at me, look at me, look at me. And you see that on, on Facebook groups as well. You know, you see marketing companies are terrible for this. Look at me, I do logos. Look at me, I do this. Look at me, I do websites. And really providing value over a period of time is a, like you're saying, it's a way better way to go you know, in, engage in the community. Yeah, it's snowing. Who's got a four by four? Let's get some people together. Let's, uh, you know, those are the type of people who who are going to succeed in the long term and people are going to want to support them because they're actually giving value. Yeah. And um, that's that's why I do these long posts in the Facebook groups about how to get ranked in Google and how to, how to do Facebook ads and stuff because it's, I just want to give value away. And you know what happens? It takes six months or a year sometimes before a channel starts giving back, but people reach out. People reach out and go, hey, I saw you. You're the guy who was giving away free value. You're the guy who was towing people out of the driveway. You're the guy who was, you know, out out helping with a community fundraiser. You know, I, I need some help. You, you're the guy. And then you and then you're the guy, right? So that's <clears throat> it takes time to build that, but it's so worth it, especially in a local community. And I, I would say that people generally give very little. And if you become known as somebody who gives value away, you're the guy. Yeah, I 
1000% agree with you. And selfishly, that's one of the reasons we started the podcast, because I wanted to get more time with our audience and the people that could use our equipment at Skid Steer Nation so that we could develop a stronger relationship and connection. 100%. 100%. Me too. And what I didn't foresee was this becoming my favorite part of the week and like hearing people's stories and how inspiring it is and how much it actually fills my cup instead of draining my energy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're giving away a ton of value, right? And now, you know, in my mind, you're the guy. Yeah. I'm one person who is now, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm really struggling in my excavation business, I'm gonna go, I, I've got the guy. I know who to send you to, right? So now you're my guy for that. And all you did to earn that was be a cool guy and, and give away value to your audience. Yeah, and like, you know, we do have that coaching program, Groundbreaking Growth. There's nothing in there that's a secret. Like it's all available. And with today's internet, you could literally go find everything that we coach yourself. But it's the, again, it's the time commitment, it's the accountability, and it's and it's laid out in a process. Like if you go to step five before mm-hmm. you do step three, it's going to be a longer road than if you had just done step three first before you get to four and five. And that's where I think finding a mentor or somebody that's experienced in what you're lacking has its benefit. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that you can't do it yourself. It's cutting. It's reducing the time. Yeah. And if, if you want to like lose my interest as fast as humanly possible, tell me that you have the secret to something because it's nonsense. There, there, there are no secrets. And I want to make sure everybody hears this. There are no secrets. All of the information you need is publicly available. The there is a secret. To, there is one secret. What's the secret? <laughs> Persistence. Persistence. Okay. But it's not a secret. <laughs> It's a hack. (laughs) Okay. I'll give you that. It's a hack. It's a hack, but consistency and persistence, man. If you do those two things, you cannot fail in my opinion. hundred percent, hundred percent. But you know, for, for somebody who has some revenue and is ready to grow, um, you don't need to sell a secret. You're selling a path. You're selling guidance. You're selling the shortcut. You know, everybody knows how to get here, but here's the shorter path. We've walked it. We've, we've trampled this path and we've made it passable for you. Now we're going to show you the path. Yeah. I heard this and it's a fake story. I think it's just to prove the point of this, but like they talked about a FedEx distribution hub and the whole assembly, like the whole roller system line goes down and the whole place is freaking mm-hmm. out. And like, it's been down for an hour. And the, and the president of that area is like, we got to get it back online. Handyman comes in. He's like, well, I can fix it. He's like, well, how long is it going to take you? And he's like, I don't know, as long as it takes. And he's like, well, what's it going to cost? And he's like, $10,000. He's like, do it. We're losing money by the minute here. He walks mm-hmm. over and opens up an electrical box and changes a few things. He's done 15 seconds later. And the guy's like, I'm not paying you 10 grand for that. He's like, you're right. You're paying me 10 grand to know where to go to fix it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really it too. And I I think it, even in selling excavation services, that's something that as a business owner, you should keep in mind, you know, selling, you're selling value. And I see a lot of people trying to sell hours and I hate hourly billing in everything. I hate it because I, what is the value in having a guy there who charges 60 bucks an hour working for eight hours when a guy for 150 hour or 150 bucks an hour, 120 bucks an hour could do that in two hours because he's more experienced. He has the right equipment, right? An hourly arrangement is really arbitrary. You're selling value. Yeah. 
we tell, I tell people all the time, like if you went and got the oil change in your truck and the guy's like, well, it's 42 cents an ounce. You might need five quarts. It might be seven. Uh, the filter, depending on what size I need to get, could be 15 to $27. And then we're charging a dollar a minute. We're hoping to get done in 15 minutes, but it might be 30 minutes. I'm not getting my oil change. <laughs> no. What's the price, right? What's the price to fix what I need done? <clears throat> and, that, and yet we, we interact with the world that way. Like, what's it going to cost me? And then we create this friction with the customers of like, well, it's this much an hour and this is the material and we've got this for mobilization fee. We create that laundry list of friction instead of saying, hey, here's all the value we provide. Here's the cost that we need to provide that value. And have you found that the reason people avoid doing that is because they're worried of they're worried about getting stuck because a customer will come along and go, hey, while you're here, how about this? While you're here, how about that? And if you're on hourly, you can continue on. But if you define the scope of work beforehand, yep. this is what I'm going to do for you. And this is how much money it's going to cost. Then we can talk about extras after the fact. And that's the key is defining the scope of work. Like you can always do an add or a change to the scope of work, add that in. Or if it's something really minor, you could do it for no cost to add more value. Mm -hmm. It was going to take you 10 minutes to go pull a bush on the edge of the property that she forgot she wanted removed. Just go do it. Right. Yeah. Um, no, but I find that people like we are, we are humans as humans. We're, you know, we're creatures mm -hmm. of habit. And a vast majority of these excavation company, especially the younger ones, came from working in excavation companies. Yeah. So you know what they're used to? They're used to getting paid an hourly rate. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're afraid of running into that. Ooh, what if the ground's rocky here and I got to spend an extra two days if I charge a flat rate? You know, I'm like, well, no, you just build that into your contingencies and your estimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the numbers get scary too, right? When you, yeah. you know, you, when you're doing two, three day jobs on a machine, you're, you might be billing out four or $5,000. And for somebody who's been getting, $1,500, $2,000, biweekly paychecks for a long time. That feels like that's a, that feels like a big ask to say it's going to cost you $4,000. But I mean, it's not really. You're giving them $10,000 worth of value. And, right. and that's the whole thing. Make sure that they're getting a lot of value for what they're paying you and, and you're good. But it can be hard to overcome that hurdle. And to be honest with you, I still wrestle with that. When I was in the industry, I worked hourly for 15 years. And I still, when, I, when I'm sending out estimates to people, it's sometimes it's, oh, man, that feels like a lot of money. Um, but it's a project. It's a value-based arrangement. And I absolutely refuse to work hourly. Now, I will say in my area, it is a bit of a challenge in that the rates for equipment uh, for big companies are often hourly rates and the rates are kind of dictated by an organization in my area that everybody sort of just goes, okay, well, it's about this much an hour. So if you're working with contractors, they almost expect that, uh, you know, for you to use that rate and then kick 10% off of it so that they can make a couple bucks as well. But uh, I would say for homeowners, it's, it's largely irrelevant. Homeowners are used to replacing their roof and putting a new furnace in and, and projects that are just a set amount of money and they want it to cost that much. They, they don't want it to go over, right? So, so like you said, build some contingency into it. Build, build a couple boulders that you didn't plan for into your price and, and have at her. Or, I mean, I, I even tell them, if, you, if you're afraid to jump the price up of those contingencies, 
then just include in your estimate, this number is based on, if you like Colorado, for example, this number is based on not running into limestone granite boulders 24 inches below the surface that requires breaking up and removing. Yeah. Because if that happens and we just go back with a change of work and saying, hey, we are running into that boulder. We think it's going to take this much time. We're just going to charge an hourly rate because we don't know how big the boulder is. And now you have that contingency, but you still got the scope of work for the primary project laid out. Mm -hmm. And understanding exactly what it is that they want. Uh, one of my closest friends is actually a wedding photographer. He's in business for himself. It's a, it's a very different business, but I learned something about business from him that's very valuable. He said that almost all of his problems in his business come from not managing expectations and defining the scope of the work. Yeah. It comes from the, how about this? How about this? How about this? So he has a multi-page contract that he has people sign, but he doesn't just give it to them and tell them to sign it. He sits them down. He says, we need a 45 minute appointment and we are going through this line item by line item. So there is no misunderstanding about what it is you're getting. You're getting an 18 inch wide ditch that's two feet deep by a hundred meters long or, and, and that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, I always, I always say a black and white world is a world that I want to live in because it means there's no gray area. There's no what ifs. Yeah. I ask everybody I work with before I start. Um, the one question I always make sure I ask is what is the end result that you will be happy with? Think ahead six months or think ahead to the end of the project. What, what will make you smile? What's going to make you go, I'm recommending this guy. He's the guy. And yeah. that's an important exercise because it, it forces the customer to think through to admit what they'll be satisfied with, right? So you can you can write that down then. And if there's an issue further down the road, you can say, well, you told me that this would make you happy and we did this. So how could there be a problem? We did the thing that you said would be, would be very, very satisfactory to you with regards to a finished product. Yeah. Oh man, I could, yeah. Three <laughs> qualifying questions, setting expectations, defining scope of work. So many guys, again, there's like, yep, We'll come look at it. Yep, we can do it. Like they just chase the money instead of building the structure and the framework. Because if you give mm -hmm. the if you give the framework to the customers, and they actually know what the expectations are. They're typically happier at the end because there's no gray area. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and the other thing to remember is not everybody is your client. If you if you meet somebody and the first thing you think is I don't like this dude, it's okay to walk. It sucks when you're early on. It's, it's really hard to do. It's hard to turn down a job, especially when you're new in business. But I have found that the relationships that are just a good fit right off the bat for me turn into long-term things that are more beneficial for everybody. Whereas when you, when you have that feeling right off the bat, just don't do it. Yeah. I had a guy contact me about two months ago and he wanted a website for his business. And he, this poor guy, he just, he'd done everything backwards. He, he said, I, I, I refinanced my house. I got a machine coming and, and this has got to work. Like I'm, you know, I'm trying to do something for my family and I'm going to lose my house over this. And I said, absolutely not. I will not have you wandering this world for the next 40 years telling people that you lost your house because you hired a guy who didn't get your ranking in Google fast enough. And I felt for the guy, but I mean, like those decisions are already made. I can't, at this point, there's, there's nothing that I can do for him that's going to, that's going to work fast enough in the opposite direction that's going to stop this ball that's already rolling downhill. So yeah. not everybody's your client and be cool with that. <clears throat> so like we, I, I've talked about it in the past too, but like the Pareto, the old philosopher has the 80, 20 rule. 
So mm-hmm. like we kind of talk about it. I'm like, what's I mean? If it's an 80-20 rule, then you've got like 20, 20, 60, 20. So the top 20% of your clients will make probably 80% of your revenue. The 60% of the clients in the middle is just your average client. And then the bottom 20% are those headache clients that you just really mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have done the work for. And like understanding those, like what each customer looks like and finding out, like the more interactions you have with people, like the more you'll see uh, trends, like good paying mm-hmm. high, high dollar customers will have trends. Like I want it done. I want it done right. I'm not going to argue with you on anything else. Mm-hmm. That if you can start recognizing those trends, so when people start asking questions or saying things, you're like, oh man, this is just like John last year and he was a pain in my ass. Yeah. I that, don't trend, need that trend's like, you know what? I'm booked out for six weeks. Here's a, you know, you might want to get back on Google and find somebody else, but I'm probably not your right guy for that. Yeah. And the first few times it's going to really hurt, but sit down and write it out. You know, you've yeah. got a, you got a $2,000 job and whatever amount of profit's going to be left for you at the end, 500 bucks. Well, this person's going to be a pain in the ass. So what happens if, uh, if you find a rock or if you find whatever, you know, you, you that, that 500 bucks is gone in an instant yeah. because when you find rock, you need another machine on site. You got to have a hammer or, or, or blasters or it, might, know, it gets more- really expensive. Yeah. And I think more importantly than that is the, it's the energy and the effort and the time that gets drained out of you, that that guy drains your, drains you. So the next customer you meet with could have been a top 20 percenter, but you're not on your A game because you're stressed out over the interaction with the guy that you shouldn't have been doing work for in the first place. So he doesn't only affect his job. He could, he could affect jobs in the future. hundred percent. Yeah, they 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 drain and they take and you know just not figuring out you're going to get better as you go at not entering into those relationships. Just like yeah. you said, you're going to go this this guy's like that dude last Thursday. I I'm just I'm just not even going to. We're not a good fit. And the weird thing is sometimes people won't accept that. You'll you'll tell them you don't want to work with them and people don't get it because who turns down work? Who turns down money? But the people who turn down money are the people who grow their business faster and get more profitable. Because you're focusing on the people that are your client. That guy's not your client. He's someone else's client. He doesn't align with the way he spends money, the way he views tasks, the way he treats contractors, the way he talks. It doesn't align with who you want to work with. Mm-hmm. So that's not a good fit. You're going to have people like that, but learn quickly how to weed them out. Yeah. Do you build client avatars with your customers, <laughs> with your excavation companies you work with? Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest change for me last year is when I actually didn't just like write a bullshit paragraph, but I actually wrote a two page client avatar of who my ideal customer is for Skidster Nation. It changed everything we we did moving forward. And it was amazing. Yeah. So for those listening, a client avatar is basically a fictitious person who is the perfect customer you want to work with. I mean, it's like my name, his name's George. He's 42 years old. He recently left his job in the union, started an excavation company. He's been in business for a year and a half. He has a wife, he has two kids. His savings account has $35,000 in it. And we get real granular on that. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's at a point where he wants to grow his business, but every dollar he spends is important. So the money he spends on the attachments has to be in alignment with a return on investment, not just a, that's cool, I want it. 100%. So, but again, you can do that same exercise with with your market in your area. And whether it's male, female, 30, 60, landowner, residential owner, like make that avatar. And then when you write your posts and you write your marketing and you write your website, you write it to that one specific person and yeah. not, not the town. 
hundred percent. Yeah. And when you know who that person is, you get to know that guy. Right. So then when you meet him, this is a George, you can yeah. tell right away. It, it, it saves you time of trying to weed people out, going to their house and giving them estimates and, ah, geez, I don't know. This doesn't seem like the right guy. Well, you know, is he a George or isn't he? Yeah. I mean, like you look at it from my point of view, like you have landowners and farmers that own skid steers. You have mm -hmm. mid-sized and small-sized excavation companies and construction companies that own skid steers. And then you have the large companies. Well, like, ooh, the, the chasing the, the, the 25, 50, $100 million a year excavation companies sounds so appealing, right? Like they'll buy hundred attachments a year, but they're buying it from their dealer because the attachment means nothing to them. They, they're buying million dollar bulldozers. They don't care about your $7,000 attachment. Right. And then the hoops you got to jump through to get into procurement and this project manager, I'm like, it's just, it's not a good fit for me. My time's more valuable than that. And same with the landowner. He's going to buy one attachment and use it for 50 years. Yeah. So and for him, you're, you're, the satisfaction of working with that guy is probably a lot higher, I would guess, because you're really moving the needle for him. You know, for a big company, they might buy that attachment and throw it at the back of their yard and not look yeah. at it for two years. Whereas the guy who your avatar, he's going to get it and he's going to put it to work and it's going to really move the needle for him right off the bat. Yeah. So we just discovered like, hey, if we go after small and mid-sized excavation companies, if they like us and we work well together and they like the quality of the first product, there will be a time in the future they buy a second or a third or a fourth. Mm -hmm. And then our cost of acquisition is lower. Mm -hmm. So that's like, this is our, this is our core market. If a landowner, a farmer calls in, I'll help them, but I'm not spending time, energy, and money to say, Hey, look at me over here. Yeah. And the same with yeah, the construction 100%. companies and municipalities. Like we had a municipality call. They wanted a greater. I'm like, yeah, we'll sell it to you, but I have no vested marketing to go to cities to sell equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're, they can be your client, but you're not going to, you're not going to invest in acquisition because mm -hmm. they're not George. Right. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's important to have a niche. Mm -hmm. You know, what's, what's general excavation. You I mean, it, we know what it is because we're in the industry. Does your neighbor know what it means? He knows he needs his, French drain, or he knows he needs a new septic system, or he knows he needs a gravel road. What's what's general excavation? Well, and as soon as you become a general excavation contractor, who are you competing with? Right. Everybody. You're competing with the big boys versus if you become um, a contractor who only does ponds or who primarily does French drains or perimeter drains or, or grading or land clearing or whatever it is, then you can be the guy. It takes 20 years to be the guy in general excavation, but you can be the guy for one thing in six months. If you, you know, if you want to niche down on that type of work, I, I, I really think that's important. I have a, a buddy of mine, I, he's local here. He's gone into excavation and is not general. He does, um, he does rock retaining walls and decorative ponds, I think are his two big things. Oh, and sports courts. He does uh, basketball tennis courts. That's it. And nobody else in this area is marketing those things. So yeah, there, there's fewer clients, but they're higher value clients and they're easier to find because you're the only guy doing those things. Maybe with the exception of retaining walls, there's other companies doing that. But he bought a, a machine with a bunch of attachments that are sort of specific to the work that he's doing. He's got a steel wrist and he's got a... Uh, you know, a grapple and a bunch of different stuff that, that is for the specific type of work he does. 
Yep. And now he's the guy. And it's only been two years. Yeah, it's very easy if you if you stay focused. I call it stay in your lane. Don't get mm-hmm. don't get big eyes from new opportunities that don't align with who you are as a company. No, hundred percent. And if you're going, if you're trying to go big fast, the people you're going to be working for are contractors, contractors who've been in business for twenty or thirty years and who know the business a lot better than you do. And not only can that be a very, very pricey arrangement if you don't know what you're doing, um, but you can waste a lot of time and money, you know, buying yeah. a big machine and, and just trying to, you can make more. I have a friend who has a 35. He's got a 35 uh, D, I think, a John Deere. And the amount of money that he makes with it is crazy because you know who he's working for? People who don't have a 35. You know, he's, he's to a homeowner, he's the guy. You know, right. he can go in there and he can do more work in a day than they can do in a shovel in a week. And uh, sorry, with a shovel in a week. And that machine bills out at like, I, I don't know, I don't know the exact numbers, but it bills out like relative to how much he spends on fuel and how much it costs to acquire the machine versus something like a 160. It's just a more profitable machine. And that's not the case for everybody, but that's for him and the work he does. That's all he needs to make a really good living. And that's, that's, uh, I think that's key. Yeah. So I kind of want to circle back to marketing, which is kind of the, the core of what I wanted to talk with you about. And we've gotten so, I, mean, I can talk philosophy and all this with you <laughs> for hours. It's like, you're right up my alley. So it was very easy to get off track with that. But what other avenues would you recommend to small mid-sized excavation companies other than just a website or Google My Business? And even if it's not marketing, but it's like a process with customers. Like, what do you, what do you, what have you seen working with your clients? Yeah, that's um, well, that's a challenging question for me to answer. I don't, I don't generally work on the on the customer side, which is something that I'm looking to change because I get people ranking in Google, um, but if their business doesn't convert people into clients, then the value is really not there for them, right? But Primarily, we do um, Google My Business, websites, SEO optimization, and social media. And I actually don't think that going too broad is a great idea. Um, scatter some seed everywhere, but in uh, in a short order, you're going to start to see where your people are and where there's interest in your business. And that's why I say Instagram really has been the the biggest one for for my clients around here, anyway. Yeah, so we we did an episode a few weeks ago with uh, Tom Gardaki. He's called the Dirt Ninja. Okay. So he's got, I don't know how many, 80,000 followers on YouTube. He's partnered with Pat <clears throat> Marketing. He's got a million views on this one video and stuff. Just, But he made a, I mean, he, he made a name for himself on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying the editing time and all the work it takes to make a YouTube video now that I have a two-year-old kid and our business is growing. I haven't posted on YouTube in a while. I was like, but I post on Instagram all the time. Like he's even transitioned from Facebook, YouTube to Instagram. Yeah. And people like watching those shorts now and they're cross-platform. I mean, you can make those style vertical short videos and you can use them on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, uh, Snapchat or TikTok. Yeah. That's, I'm not a TikTok user. Um, probably because I have young children in the house, but <laughs> I, I have a, I have a friend who is, seeing real success on TikTok. And um, it's, I think it's probably one of the platforms to pay attention to right now. 
Uh, we know. haven't done any work with it, but I'm I'm hearing that it's uh, it's pretty easy to build a following on TikTok. It's pretty easy. I mean, I, we did I did an episode with a young guy, and he's you know he's in the military, he owns this and all that, and he's like, and after the show, he's like, yeah, I've got like 130 thousand followers on TikTok. I'm like, how the hell is an excavation company in Mississippi get 130 thousand followers on TikTok? You know, so yeah, you're right. It's not. I don't think it's anywhere near as difficult. Mm-hmm. as the other platforms. That said, um, who are you appealing to? You right. know, 130,000 followers. What what does that actually amount to? You know, right. those videos are maybe eight seconds long and then people are scrolling on to the next thing. So for them, for the people watching those videos, you don't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, are, are, you a, are, you, are the people watching your videos in Mississippi looking for right. a specific service that you do? Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing, but it might, you know, for a newer business specifically, Choosing where to invest your time is really key because you only have so much time. Yeah. Um, I, and, and Instagram is great because Instagram is a place where you can make those cool videos, but it's also really easy to connect with local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you help your clients make case studies? No, no, I haven't done anything like that. I just wondered if like some of the work you do on the website pages just easily translates into a printable flyer or case study they could hand to clients and customers? Probably. I mean, I mean, it potentially could, but the, the clients that I work with traditionally are um, marketing to a, how would I say this? I think that would work really well with a smaller business, Yeah. but I don't generally work with super small businesses. You know, if, if you were new, it would be really important to have maybe some case studies to show what you've done and, and actually show that you have some work. That's one of the harder things when a business is brand new is you have nothing to show anybody, right? You don't have any pictures of your jobs because you haven't you haven't done enough jobs to to get the images right. So uh, no, I haven't done anything like that. But like I said, I something that I need to sort out as I move forward is how how the people I'm working with are taking the leads that they're getting from us and turning them into clients. And and maybe that's something you and I can talk about another time, but. You know, you can you can pour leads into a business with a fire hose, but if they're going to a crappy website or a website that is very inspecific about what it is you're meant to do on the site or how to contact you or they contact you and you answer though, this is something that I've seen a number of times. You phone the business phone and they go, hello? Oh, is this uh, Bill's excavator? Yeah. Okay. I, do you do drainage? Yeah, we do drainage. Then you see our website, you know, like it's the, it's, when you pass off marketing to sales, yeah, that needs to be a really, really seamless transition. So the people that I've worked with in the past, and I don't have a ton of clients. I, I like to have fewer clients and go really deep with them, but they have the sales part of it dialed in already. So I wouldn't say that that's a problem I've really come up against too much, but I see it with other businesses. I, I, it drives me crazy. You know, you, How hard have you worked and how much money have you spent and how much effort has it taken you to get that phone call? And you waste it with a, yeah, this is Mitch. Like, just, you know, the whole thing needs to work together front to back. Yeah. Or even better, Mike, if they call that phone number and it's somebody's personal cell phone and the message is like, not available, leave me a message. And they're like, oh, I didn't didn't even think about it being my business line. And I'm like, why is your personal line your business line anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and some, I've heard guys say, well, I don't want to carry two phones. Well, then get a dual SIM phone or get an eSIM phone. Actually, actually, I, 
I would agree with that five years ago in today's <clears throat> world. There's no reason you shouldn't have a voice over IP phone system that's an app on your phone. Because then you could also have your wife or your friend or your bookkeeper that could answer the phone if you're not available. And it's all based on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is the type of stuff that uh, I think guys need to be going to you for. It's figuring out these these business systems. It just makes life easier and it just gets a little smoother and make you know, like we run our whole business off of VOIP because nobody works, we don't work in an office. We're all over. Everybody's mm-hmm. remote. So when you, yeah. when you call the skits your nation number, I don't know who's going to answer it, but I mean, they're, they're all over the, all over the place. So, but it all rings on everybody's devices. And just whoever picks it up first gets the call kind of thing. Uh, we've got it set up. So we built a framework for answering the phone, like a system. Cause I believe in systems for everything. I'm like, if it has not been answered by the third ring, you can pick it up because that means myself or the salesman have the first opportunity. And if we didn't answer it within three rings, we're probably busy. So then the office staff can answer it and try to help out or take a message so that we can call them back. No, I like that. Everything we do has a framework set up to it and an operating procedure. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, going back to newer businesses, if, if all you have is your cell phone and your company started this morning, change your voicemail message. Change your voicemail. Hey, you've reached so-and-so at so-and-so. Record a voicemail. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> we worked with a guy, we worked with a guy and he was doing over a million dollars a year in business. And he's actually grown to over three now. You mm-hmm. called his phone and it, it just went beep. And I was like, you don't even have nothing. I'm like you're running a million dollar business and you know how many vendors and contractors, employees you have, and you don't even have a voicemail set up. Yeah. And it's, it's just not that hard to do. You know, I, I mean, you solve one of these little problems a week yeah, and in a year you've got a really smooth operating machine. If you don't like answering the phone, then don't answer the phone. Either find a remote assistant to answer the phone or have your wife do it or send it into a system where people can, you know, leave a message and you call them back. Like there's, there's just so many ways to solve these problems. But again, this, this is where I say there's so much opportunity in this business. There, there's an obscene amount of opportunity. I look around my town and uh, courtesy of Kat's incredibly generous financing programs, there's a lot of people with machines and, it, and it's easy to feel like it, it's, it's just totally buttoned up and there's no more opportunity. But a lot of these guys aren't like you where they've invested a ton of energy into learning how to do business rather than how to grade a driveway. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. We always say that, you know, I've never heard a paint, a painter say, I have a ladder. It's just a tool for him to be able to paint your house. So all these guys are out there. I'm like, Hey, we can just get to your work. You're just promoting a tool, not a service. Oh, I like that. You know, like, what, like what get to your work. And like, you do it every day. You get it. You know, like, you and I could get into a very deep conversation on SEO and this whole audience would just tune out because they don't get it. We'd have to do it. Yeah. We'd have to be descriptive and bite-sized and, and make it understandable. Well, your customers that need services around their house, you gotta do the same thing with excavation services because it's not something they handle or do on a daily basis. Yeah. And they don't know that they need a skid steer. Yeah. You know, they know that they need the potholes in their driveway filled. And you know that it's possible to do that with a with a mini bulldozer or a skid steer with the right attachments or an excavator, if you're very, very patient or, or, or maybe a backhoe, depending on the material, the area, the, the, there's so many considerations that the customer, but you're not selling skid steer, you're selling driveways. 
Right. Right. And, and this, this circles back to, um, you and I had this conversation, I think the other day about that. Um, what was that book? You said you'd read it too, about marketing, about, uh, how, about oh, the uh, $100 million dollar offer by Alex Ramosi. No, that wasn't it. Um, Oh, dang it. It's going to come back to me, but it's all about, uh, it's all about how you position yourself. For example, when you, when you go to a website that offers skid steer services, well, that's nice, but I could rent a skid steer. So that's not necessarily helpful. When you go to a website, what you're selling is the end result. Imagine that you go out in your backyard and you've got a beautiful landscape for you to drink your coffee and enjoy. You know, you're selling the customer, you're selling the end product and the experience. Wouldn't you like to be the house on the block where everybody gathers? And I think a great example for people to really go look at and go, oh, I'm, this makes sense, is like find the local hardscaper that's the number one hardscaper in your area. Go look at his website. I'll guarantee you the picture on his homepage is not a pallet of stone. It's a finished, beautiful backyard with a sun setting. Because he's selling the image of what the yeah. house is going to look like, not the materials he uses to make it happen. It's just his skid steer in the middle of a field. And Check this here, out. I will bet you money that is not what it is. <laughs> yeah. And that, bring, that brings back to another point with regards to marketing. Um, success leaves clues. When you're trying to figure out how to position yourself and what you want to do, look at what other people are doing. If you want to have an Instagram account that's selling excavation services or pools or whatever it is, look up other pool companies, not even in your town. Look up other pool companies that are doing really, really well on whatever platform you're using, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can do the same thing with SEO. If you type in uh, landscaper near me, who's ranking? That can be reverse engineered. Why? Is their website good? What kind of website do they have? You know, Take notes because when you do eventually hire someone to build you a new site, start doing that work, whether it's social or whatever it is, if you have a really good idea of who your competitors are and who you want to beat and the type of visual uh, look of a site or whatever that appeals to you, that goes a long way towards helping them get started on your project. Yeah. I mean, we call it funnel hacking, website hacking, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. But I do the, I do the same thing. There is no reason to reinvent the wheel in today's day and age. So like our, our website for the coaching program, Groundbreaking Growth, if somebody that knew my mentor saw my website, they would go, Haha, I see you copied his website. I'm like, mm -hmm. the guy's doing $10 million a year. There's a reason the button is here and the copy's here and the headline's here and the picture's on the left and not on the right. Interesting. Right? So who am I to change the structure of a proven business for my website, Right. So I just copied his website layout and template, put my images, my wording, my headlines. But I mean, I hacked his whole website because I'm like, it's proven. Mm -hmm. And and I don't even think that anyone's ever going to get upset about that. You know, no. the images are yours. The copy's yours. Um, you're just taking ideas. You're, you're not copying so much as taking inspiration from, uh, from what's known to work. Yeah. And somebody else spent a million dollars to figure that out. You know, right. somebody else hired a company that specializes in AB uh, testing and, and, you know, they tested a green button and a red button and an orange button and a yellow button. And they determined that the orange button gets a 0.7% higher click through rate, which can be a lot, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, you, you really want to hack something, make your headlines and your buttons and your copy <laughs> match Amazon. Everybody's used to it. It's going to look familiar. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good thought. Yeah, we were A-B testing button colors in our 
our marketing emails. And I was like, I'm going to do Amazon Orange on a couple and see what the response rate is on those. Really? Yeah. So we, we still do. We're in the middle of the test with some other colors too, to see what kind of works out. But yeah, and, somebody and, and spent a lot of money on that. So I heard that. In, I heard it in a book. I read it in a book. It was like, imagine how much money Amazon spent to find out this color orange produces better results for checkout. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy cow. Like, yeah, why would I go figure out what color button looks, you know, on my website, just copy what's working for somebody else. And I find a lot of inspiration outside of my industry. Like a local solar company calls you and texts you and emails you and they've got this whole sales process figured out because solar's hot right now. I'm like, man, this process obviously works because they're doing millions of dollars a year in solar sales. How can I take this component of this process and build it into my business and make it work for my excavation company? Yeah, I mean, take take what works and There's inspiration everywhere. Apply it, apply it to your business, mm-hmm. and then change directions if it's not working. You know, it's but we, that 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 kind of if you look if you step back and take a broader look at that, that's what you need to be doing all the time when you're growing a business is yeah. figuring out where you can make those tweaks and changes to uh, to move the needle. Because you could have the coolest project, you could have the coolest thing in the world that could generate. more revenue. But if you're, if your customer base is newspapers, you're not going to be a successful company because you're in the wrong market. hundred percent. Right. So it's the same thing with everything we do. Like if you're like, I'm going to be the gravel driveway guy. And I'm like, dude, you live in downtown Chicago. Nobody has gravel. (laughs) It's not the right fit for your market, you know, but yeah, know your audience, know your market, know what they want, get inspiration from other companies in and without your industry. And find a mentor or a company that can help you in the areas that you're light in and double down in what you're really good in. Yeah. And that, that's a key thing that we haven't touched on. Find someone to help you. You know, there's no reason to go it alone. Um, if you're, if you got a hundred bucks to spend on marketing your business, I would suggest that taking a local contractor who's been around for three to five years and has just solved a lot of these problems and been through this challenge, buying that guy lunch is a really good use of, of your hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and most people are willing to help. Most people want to give back. There's a, there's a kicker to that. Most people are willing to help if you ask them. And that's where we as men typically fail is we don't like asking for help. Yeah. I mean, you got to be willing to do what other people aren't willing to do to succeed though, right? Yeah. Um, and and what, if, what, if, what if they say no? And you find and ask guy. another guy. You ask another guy. And he's, and he's just a guy who said no to you once. Right. If you make a list of, if you make a list of 10 small to medium-sized local contractors and you call them with the attitude to learn and say, I would just love the opportunity to buy you lunch and all 10 of them turn you down, email me, I'll send you a hundred bucks because it just, it just won't happen. It, it's, no. it will not happen. No, somebody, somebody is going to be, somebody is going to see your keen to grow and keen to learn and respect that and want, because you, you've, you've made yourself a person that they want to engage with. Right. Yeah want to learn and and it's an ego thing too right you know you reached out to them well that means they're the guy you know and and we're guys we love that we love it when people recognize how awesome we are and (laughs) and want to learn from us (laughs) yeah absolutely man absolutely oh what a great episode i think we've we covered a lot of it and we didn't go very deep down the technical rabbit hole which i think is great there's a lot of great nuggets of information in this episode to to go back and probably re-listen to it because it was a, we threw a lot out there between Google My Business, 
the website structuring this and then all the other tips, which in my opinion, still falls into marketing, even mm-hmm. though we covered kind of the broad base of the business. But um, if you can learn your service so well and say it so crystal clear and provide value in it while you're doing the marketing and sales pitch, it's going to generate revenue for you. So hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and be, I, I would say one other thing I would say, be aware um, that when you're a new business, you are the target customer for a lot of people. You're going to get calls from Haibu and from Yelp and Yellow Pages and all these companies who are going to tell you that they've got the secret Google hack and that Google prefers their results. And everybody is going to want to get your money. And there will come a time for that. There will come a time when hiring someone to do that stuff makes sense. In my opinion, it's not in month one. It's it's you know unless you're you know unless you have another business and you've sold it you're you know you've got a bunch of money in the bank account this is just something you want to do and you want to launch off really fast then then that's a different story but if you're uh, if you got a single machine and you're just trying to make a go of it don't let anyone tell you you need to spend a lot of money doing this stuff like you said you can Instagram posts you can do that on your phone short videos you can do that on your phone you know buy a domain name on buy a domain name on GoDaddy you can literally build a website at GoDaddy. 100%. Hundred percent. You you can build a website for ten dollars a year, and those businesses, like yeah, I I don't want to run anybody down, but some of them are they have warehouses full of people just dialing and dialing oh, and yeah. dialing and dialing all day, and um, you are going to get the type of product that you might expect from a company that has warehouses full of people dialing, dialing and dialing and dialing. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today and uh, giving us your expertise and, and your knowledge in marketing. If Mike resonated with you in today's episode, we will have his contact or his website in our show notes, rankmaster.ca. Feel free to reach out to him. If you want to hire him, that's fantastic. But if you know you just want some advice, I'm 99% positive. Uh, he'd probably be willing to take a short phone call with you and help you out through a, a problem that you're stuck on. So, man, thanks again, Mike, for Absolutely. being on and joining joining the show today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Ryan. It was good chatting with you. Yeah. All right, guys, this episode was brought to you by our coaching program, Groundbreaking Growth. Head over to groundbreakinggrowth.com. See exactly what our three-phase process is to help you structure, grow, and then scale your business. If any of that resonates with you, fill out the lead form. I will personally be the one you speak with. And if we're a good fit, we'll work together. If not, you'll learn something from that phone call regardless. I guarantee that. So until the next episode, keep your hands on the sticks, the tracks on top of the surface, and you'll make that dollar. See you guys.